From the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Deal or no deal, there's no end to Brexit misery. That's the headline of the Standard's editorial column. And as we've all asked so many times over the last three and a bit years, what's actually going on? Deal or no deal, this is going to go on for years. And some big choices are being made about our future. But we don't know about them. The Cabinet doesn't seem to know what's going on. It's all completely bizarre. Our associate editor, Julian Glover, tries to explain and warns even with the deadline approaching, this is far from over later. That meeting needs to be with therapists and mediators in the room and not just her and us. I wouldn't imagine that's even advisable for her. The shock of Charlotte Charles after a White House meeting with Donald Trump. The president had the diplomat's wife suspected of being involved in her son's death in the next room. Why we think it was a horrifically cruel stunt. Also. Historically, Britain was right there at the beginning of the birth and the Jinnah of, of Pakistan. From Pakistan, our royal editor Robert Jobson on the real success of William and Kate's tour in the country. It's all about post-Brexit relations. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. Coming up, we try to explain what's happening with Brexit right now. We really try. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be fine. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like... Wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com October 31st, Halloween is no longer creeping up behind us. It's coming, and it's coming fast. And to some people's horror, there is no Brexit deal. 
Frantic negotiations are ongoing, but the hopeful signals from Number 10 earlier this week appear to have vanished. Evening Standard sources say the DUP was being brought back to Downing Street to get something over the line. But even if they do, this newspaper thinks the Brexit misery will never die. It isn't over. Not if there is a deal. Not if a deal falls apart. Not if talks in Brussels drag on. And not if they don't. Of course, there is a national desire for Brexit to be resolved and the paralysis that's freezing our economy and ruining our peace of mind to go away. That's why it is right, not unreasonable, to ask for detail on what's being traded in talks right now. Even if something might be called a deal by the Prime Minister, it doesn't make it a wise one. This government will take this country out of the European Union on October the 31st. Associate Editor Julian Glover, every time it looks like something might be happening with Brexit, something else seems to happen, doesn't it? It's never going to end. That's what we say in the editorial today, deal or no deal, this is going to go on for years. And some big choices are being made about our future, but we don't know about them. The Cabinet doesn't seem to know what's going on. It's all completely bizarre. Only one thing can really be guaranteed, and that's Anything we say right now in this podcast will probably be out of date by the time you listen to it. So please keep listening, even if we, we're wrong. It is a bit of a struggle, though. It's, a di- it's difficult for us to try and keep up with events. But we in this newsroom have a lot of connections. We speak to a lot of people. As best as you can, Julian, where are we right now with the Brexit deal? Where we are is that Boris Johnson set himself a deadline of October the 31st. It was a deadline from the extension, so he didn't create it in the first place. But he said he'd rather be dead in a ditch than go beyond October the 31st. Yeah, he was very colourful. He said do or die. He said all sorts of things. He got very excited about October the 31st. There's a slight problem, which is it nearly is October the 31st, and we haven't got a clue what's going to happen. It looms fast. And nor does he. So there's two things he could do. One of them is to extend, as Parliament will require, if he doesn't get a deal by the weekend, and then try and sort this mess out afterwards. Good luck to that one. The other thing he could do is just push for the deadline, and that's what he's doing right now. So he's throwing anything at getting a deal. He's sacrificing all sorts of things he said he'd never sacrifice. No surprise there. Mostly to do with this incredibly fraught question of the Northern Ireland border. But what we say in the leader today is that whilst the Northern Ireland thing is dominating the talks, can he get this DUP, this political party that got fewer votes than the number of people who live in Croydon, but it appears to be holding our country... Uh, hostage to its future. Can he get them to agree? Well, it matters to them. But it matters a lot for London about what we do for the City of London, what we do with financial services, what we do with freedom of movement. The big questions about Brexit aren't being discussed right now at all. So this isn't a deal. It's simply a route to have a load more rows and conversations about the future. It's pretty bleak. Boris Johnson has consistently and always said he's going to get Brexit done by October 31st. Was he always intending to get a deal or has he given up on the no deal scenario your question fell to pieces at the point that you said the words boris johnson has consistently (laughs) and always um there's only one thing boris johnson doesn't want to give up and that's being prime minister anything else is up for grabs he doesn't mind sacrificing northern ireland if it will help him be prime minister he almost you think might sacrifice almost everything to do with brexit if it helped him stay as prime minister brexit's what helped make him prime minister that was all part of the plan as long as he could stay in power 
he'll do almost anything. And to stay in power, he's got to get a general election and he's got to win it. And to be fair, the polls are looking pretty good for the Conservatives right now. Another poll out today, Conservatives up, Labour somewhere down at the depths of the oceans, the Lib Dems not much uh, different to where they've been for a while, a bit below 20%, not all that good, not quite as good as they'd hoped. So he's doing all right in the polls. He's just got to get some sort of deal in order to allow Parliament to have an election and say, triumph is mine and I'm going to rule forever. Will it really work? A bit tricky to know. Of course, it's possible he'll have to have an election before a deal. That could be hard too. And will he have an election and use it to get a deal? Goodness knows. All he wants to do is stay as PM. Next. So a young man was killed. The person that was driving the automobile has diplomatic immunity. Uh, we're going to speak to her very shortly and see if we can do something where they meet. Donald Trump was true to his word to the family of Hallie Dunn, but how he tried to get them to meet the woman suspected of being involved in his death was shocking. Why we think the family was brave and the president was cruel. Tim Dunn, the father of Harry, shortly after leaving a meeting with Donald Trump when the president attempted to pull a trick straight out of a TV show. The woman suspected of being in a car that hit the 19-year-old and then fled to the States under diplomatic immunity was in the White House too. Tim and Harry's mum Charlotte left. Here's what The Standard thinks. Even by the standards of a former reality TV star, there was something flamboyantly cruel about the way Donald Trump has just treated the parents of Harry Dunn. They flew to Washington to seek justice. The president met them at the White House only to reveal that the woman involved in the crash, Anne Sekula's, was waiting in the next room to meet them. It was a horrible stunt and Charlotte Charles and Tim Dunn were right to resist. Bravely, they said no to the president and refused to meet. Instead of pantomime theatricals, the president should arrange for justice to take its course. That story was also covered in our morning news bulletin, sent to smart speakers at 7am every weekday. If you want to hear it, just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. Now. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's tour to Pakistan is coming to a close. This newspaper thinks it's gone very well. William and Kate's visit to Pakistan has brought back memories of Princess Diana's past visits to the country. But the royal tour is also about today. It's a statement about the strength of Britain's links to Pakistan and about the return of relative security to a nation that suffered from terrorism. The visit is important and so far a big success. 
Robert Jobson, our royal editor, has been following William and Kate through Pakistan. Robert, from their point of view, has this been a success? Certainly from their point of view, um, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge have put on a great show. I flew in with them on the RAF Voyager from Bryce Norton into the Pakistan air base in Rawalpindi. And ever since they stepped off the plane, they put on a fantastic show. Obviously, this is not a two-person show. It's an awful lot of work that's gone into this from the British High Commission team um, that are obviously trying to build relationships with uh, the Pakistani government, which, of course, is led by Prime Minister um, Imran Khan. Although I don't think William has seen the Pakistan Prime Minister since he was about 11 years old, Imran Khan had a very close relationship with his mother, didn't he? He did. Imran Khan, Khan um, you know, the legendary cricketer. We, I won't start talking about cricket because I could go on forever. But when uh, William was a little boy, 11 years old, he, Imran said he, he hoped that one day he would be Prime Minister of, of Pakistan. Um, the close family ties really go back to the days of Diane. Diane had a very close friend in Jemima Khan, who, of course, now... Um, was the, is the former wife of Imran Khan. How much do these connections between the royal family and senior figures in Pakistan matter to the UK's relationship to the country? Clearly, the most important thing that's going on here, with Brexit in mind and with that 31st of October deadline approaching, is to build un, build on unique relationships outside of the EU. We've got to do the best we can post-Brexit. The Queen doesn't do these long-term state visits anymore. So the reality that we're facing here is a situation where we've got to use all the best tools we can. This entire visit is at the behest of the government, of the British, uh, of the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, um, after the invitation extended to them by the President of the head of state of Pakistan. So, you know, this is a proper high-level government um, mission. We want to continue those ties because it could be beneficial both financially and culturally for the future of Great Britain. A lot of this trip has seen parallels between William and, and Princess Diana. Are those deliberate or unavoidable, Robert? I would say they're not... I think they're a bit of both, to be honest. They're not unavoidable. <laughs> the fact, you know, the, the, they could have done a completely different schedule and, and, and not even gone anywhere near the, the footsteps uh, of Diana. Uh, but that would, I think, have been a bit of an insult to the late princess and the official work that she did. You must remember that... I mean, I was on the first tour with her, her first solo tour in 1991. It happened to be my first tour as a Fleet Street Royal correspondent, too. And it was an amazing experience. And I think to ignore what she did and, and, the, and the great strides she made would be probably insulting to her memory. But equally, one has to move on. There are different agendas that need to be addressed. And uh, I think that William has done that with both subtlety and um, aplomb. And I think his wife, Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge, adds that amazing glamour. She's a wonderful lady. And she adds the glamorous touch that the newspapers in particular love you know they focus on what she's wearing rather than necessarily what she's doing but now I'm a bit more I'm hoping that that's happening to, to change and I think that more people are focusing on what she says and, and how she interacts with people too that's the leader taken from the evening standards editorial column it's our opinion but we want yours get in touch and continue the conversation through social media use the hashtag the leader podcast we're back at four tomorrow.